Amen. Well, good morning. That was uh, being up in the baptistry. You get a good, um, I won't say view, but you get to hear well uh, the singing. And so uh, it was a great day of worship so far today. I want to tell you about uh, some things that are happening before we dive into Acts chapter 20. It's kind of a weird little passage that uh, everyone, if you know this story, you, we all remember it for the wrong reason, uh, but that's where we're going to be today is Acts chapter 20, so if you have a Bible, you can turn there today. Uh, I want to share with you some great news. Uh, we, hopefully, on Tuesday of this week, uh, the construction company that we've hired, ha- have hired for now more than two years uh, to begin work uh, on our 209 building, which is out front uh, at 209 South Friendswood Drive, is hopefully going to start mobilizing on Tuesday of this week. And so in the next prayerfully six months, we'll have a brand new office space uh, and a bigger fellowship hall. So there's a little diagram to show you kind of what the inside will look like. The, the left-hand Left-hand side of that building will be our offices uh, with a little conference room in the middle. And then that right uh, larger white space will be a new uh, community area fellowship hall. We can't call it the fellowship hall because we already have one of those. So we call it the 209 is what we call that. Uh, And so that'll be the 209. And we're thankful for your generosity and giving over the past four years. Uh, We launched our capital campaign, our fundraising initiative uh, back in February of 2020. And then in March of 2020, the world shut down, but you've been faithful to give uh, over $3 million uh, during that time. Yes, that's a big deal. And so that helped us uh, renovate the sanctuary during COVID. So extended the stage, new chairs, carpet, all that stuff. Uh, Build a parking lot out there where probably some of you park uh, right there off of South Friendswood Drive. And it's going to help us build that so that we can uh, create space for our neighbors by vacating the old house that used to be the parsonage. Now the church offices, that's what that building is uh, next to us over here. And we're going to create some first floor space for our senior adults that will free up some second floor space uh, in our B building uh, for more groups to meet. And so I'm excited about that. So be looking uh, out there. If you're new to our church and you heard us say 209 before, uh, that's what we're referring to is this building that's on the corner of Friendswood Drive and Shadow Bend. The address is 209 South Friendswood Drive. So we affectionately call it the 209. And so that's happening. So please be in prayer that that will go smoothly because we're only a year behind schedule. So uh, pray that from this point on, uh, everything will go smoothly. It'll be great. Uh, I do want to tell you that officially uh, we are going to have a special called business meeting next Sunday uh, during both of our worship services uh, to present a worship minister candidate. And so please be in prayer this week uh, about that. We're excited uh, about the possibilities of uh, our worship ministry and what's to to come. And so please be in prayer about that. If you would like to meet uh, this gentleman who's going to come in view of a call next Sunday, we're going to have an all-church meet and greet on Saturday at 1030 a.m. right in here. So 10.30 a.m. on Saturday, if you want to meet him uh, before Sunday, that would be great. We'd love for you to do that, Uh, meet he and his wife. And so he will be here 10.30. Uh, If you're a part of the worship ministry team, uh, you have another meeting with him as well. 
but uh, 10.30 for anyone uh, who wants to be a part of that. And then be in prayer this week. As he makes transitions, uh, as we begin to transition, uh, we're looking forward to a great future uh, of our church. And so uh, I'm excited about the days ahead. Uh, I know there's something else I'm supposed to, oh, yes, uh, one more thing. Uh, We also, beginning next Sunday, will have a new part-time preschool director uh, on our staff. And so I'm excited about that. And so she's familiar to many of you, and uh, we'll leave it at that. Because her name is Brandy. Um, And so... We're excited that uh, she's going to come on part-time and help us in our preschool area, and uh, that'll be a thrill for all of our young families. At least one person give a hallelujah in the back. Uh, Thank you for doing that. Uh, Someone who volunteers to hold babies all the time. So if you want to get involved, you should. So all that's my public service announcements for the day. Uh, Acts chapter 20, we're going to start at verse 7 and and read about an all-night worship service that didn't go well for one guy. And so it says this, on the first day of the week, uh, that's Sunday, uh, chapter 20, verse 7. On the first day of the week, when we gathered together to break bread, uh, the we there, uh, Luke, who wrote the book of Acts and the book of Luke, is traveling with Paul. So he's writing this uh, as they were traveling. So that's why he says we Uh, We gathered together to break bread, and so Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day. And he prolonged his speech until midnight. There were many lamps in the upper room where we were gathered. And a young man named Eutychus, sitting at the window, sank into a deep sleep as Paul talked still longer. And being overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. That's bad news. But when Paul went down and bent over him and taking him in his arms, he said this, do not be alarmed for life is in him. And when Paul had gone up and had broken bread and eaten, he conversed with them a long while until daybreak and so departed. And they took the youth away alive and were not a little comfort, which means they were very comforted. That's a strange way to say they were very comforted. And so here's this, this little episode. Uh, Paul, uh, we've been kind of following Paul for the last few weeks. Paul was in uh, Ephesus, and then he wanted to take a quick trip. That's verses 1 through 6 of chapter 20. He takes a quick trip across the Aegean Sea to Greece and to Macedonia. And, and so he's over there for a little bit, and then he comes back, and his goal is to come back to Ephesus. Uh, but he stops in Troas, that's where this meeting takes place, this church service takes place in Troas, which is in modern-day Turkey, uh, just north of Ephesus, and about 15 miles from the ancient city of Troy. If you know anything about history, uh, you know that's an important city, Helen of Troy. Uh, That's an important city. So he's just kind of in the northern part of Turkey, wanting to go a little further south, but probably the weather was bad, and so they couldn't sail all the way to Ephesus. So he stops in Troas, And he happens to be there over a weekend. I don't know if you ever take quick trips and you travel for the weekend and you're over on a Sunday. Uh, My guess is most of you, Sunday is a travel day. But for Paul, he was over this place on a Sunday, so he actually went to church. And and they met on the first day of the week uh, in the Roman calendar, which was Sunday. And it's one of the early examples of the church meeting on Sunday, changing the pattern from the Jewish model of the Sabbath on Saturdays 
to now meeting on Sundays to celebrate uh, the resurrection of the Lord. And, and it's a simple reminder to us that our worship should celebrate the resurrection. That, that every time we gather, we need to celebrate that Jesus conquered death. And because he did, guess what? You and I can conquer death also. But we will see him again as we just sang about. We, we need to celebrate our resurrected Savior. And, and these folks, they didn't gather because this passage really is a, is a model about how the early church operated. Uh, we get focused in on the guy who fell asleep. But, but really it's about how the early church met. It's, it's a descriptive pattern for us to learn from. And they did just gather for some music and some announcements and then 25 to 35 minutes of preaching. 40 on a really, you know, great day. No, they, they gathered in the evening, on Sunday evening, and they broke bread together, which is symbolic of not just having a meal together, but they received the Lord's Supper. And, and so they've gathered, and, and then they gathered for conversation. It, it talks about how Paul talked and talked and talked, right? It, it says he, he prolonged his speech. And for some of us, we hear that and we're like, man, that guy was long-winded. But, but the, the word in the Greek is actually the word we use for dialogue, he actually had an ongoing conversation with the church at Troas throughout the night. So all the way till midnight, probably from sunset to midnight, they had dinner, they received the Lord's Supper, and they had a, a lengthy conversation uh, about who Jesus was, about the Word of God, and, and Paul was there to lead them. And they did that on the day of the resurrection, the, the Sunday. And so they continued to go and go and go and have that. And, and we've all been a part of churches or experiences where there's a long-winded speaker, where they make their point, and then they have five more points, and then they make the same points seven more times, or, or, or they just like to talk for a long time. I, I remember when I was a young adult, uh, early on staff at a church, we had a midweek gathering for for working, young working professionals and young adults. And the speaker we had was, was amazing, an amazing communicator. But sometimes he would go 55 minutes at night after these people had worked all day. And, and so we served a lot of coffee um, at that event. And we'd have to remind him sometimes, hey, man, you, you're really awesome, but maybe let's shoot for 40 minutes or 45 maybe. We, we've all had those experiences where it just gets a little long. And, and in this case, they're meeting in an upper room, a third story. So it's pretty a, a big house, a big house. And, and they're meeting and they're all crammed in there. And, and they have lamps going. Well, if you ever have a, a lamp, and I don't mean like a lamp with electricity, uh, an, an oil lamp, like a candle, well, fire does what to oxygen? It takes the oxygen out of the room. It needs oxygen. So it sucks the oxygen out of the room. And so you got the oxygen being sucked out of the room. There's lots of people in there. It's probably getting warm. And so our good friend Eutychus, this young man, uh, maybe a teenager, young adult, goes to the window and sits in the window hoping to get a little relief. Like, I, I know I need to stay awake. 
And so I'm going to do everything I can to do that. So I'm going to go over here and sit by the window. And, and we, we focus in on him falling out of the window. But, but there's something to be said about this entire group, including Eutychus. They, they got to this house in the early evening. And for four or five hours up to this point, they eagerly discussed the word of God. They, they leaned into understanding how God's word would apply to them. They focused intently on who Jesus is and how he makes the greatest difference in the world in our lives. And so I wonder, how, how do we enter these moments? How do you on a Sunday morning when you stroll in here, how is your attitude? Are, are you eager? Are you excited? Do, do you want to lean into the study of God's word? Because that's the example of the early church. And, and we, we get excited when service ends right at round noon. Like we get close to noon, we've had a victory that day. But, but they were excited to sit there for hours in a cramped, hot room and lean in to the word of God. And so I, I want to challenge you as the people of God to, to be eager, to, to anticipate with excitement studying and talking about the word of God. Probably, if we're honest with ourselves, most of us outside of this building or these buildings on our campus, we don't have a lot of conversation about the word of God with other people. We, we probably would, would confine our discussion, our dialogue, our, our long-winded examples to this campus. And, and it's, a, it's a picture to me of, of how excited we are to be followers of Jesus Christ. These folks were excited to learn. They were hungry for the word of God. They wanted to intently learn about what God had to say to them. And so as you and I gather, one of the things that should, should be a part of our worship, should be a part of our, our ongoing lives, should be a part of our conversations, should be the truth of God. We, we should want to proclaim the truth of God in, in our worship, in our conversation, in our Bible studies, our connect groups, when we meet during the week, when we talk to folks around town. How can I turn the conversation to the truth of the Word of God? How, how can I help people see the reality of Jesus Christ in a better way? I don't have to be a long-winded preacher like Paul, no, but I I want to eagerly anticipate those moments where I can share the truth of God's love and grace and his plan for everyone's life. We should want his word to fill our hearts and our minds. And so while all this is going on for hours and hours, right, they're discussing the word of God. While this is going on, our friend Eutychus gets a little sleepy, because it's warm in there, there's lots of people, a lot of hot air going, right? Because when you talk, you know, it's a lot of carbon dioxide moving around in there. And he's starting to get sleepy, and so he goes to the window. And, and Paul's preaching late in the night, and all of a sudden, he falls out of the window. Like, I don't know how many of you have three-story houses, probably maybe none of us. 
But, but just go to the second story of your house if you live in a two-story home and just peer out the window and see if you want to fall backwards out of that. No, you don't. It's bad news. Our, our nephew, I shared in our uh, weekly e-newsletter, our nephew, when he was in elementary school, they lived overseas, my uh, sister-in-law and brother-in-law, and he fell backwards out of their second-story window. Fortunately, he wasn't hurt at all. Popped right up, like perfect landing spot between some rocks and the sidewalk, like crazy. Nobody wants to do that. And so I'm sure there was a little panic in the moment. But the funny thing is, if we look at this passage, that's what we think about is, oh, Eutychus. That guy, he's remembered forever. Remembered forever as the guy who fell asleep in church. That's the guy you don't want to be. You don't want to be the guy who fell asleep in church. It was a, there's an old kind of preacher joke that this, this preacher, every week, this old deacon in his church would fall asleep. I mean, like two minutes into the sermon. Like, at least give it some time. <laughs> but like two minutes in, he falls asleep. And so after months and months and months of this, he said, I'm tired of this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this guy back. And so one Sunday morning, in the middle of his sermon, he lowers his voice and he whispers to the entire congregation, if you know you're going to heaven, stand up. And so the entire audience stands up, but the old deacon, and he quietly says, okay, sit back down. And then he shouts very loudly, if you want to go to hell, stand up. And the old deacon popped up, <laughs> stood straight up, looked around, nobody else is standing. He said, well, pastor, whatever it is we're doing, it looks like only you and I are in favor of it. <laughs> you don't want to be that guy or the preacher, truthfully, in that moment. We, we need to stay awake. But the, the, the New Testament doesn't focus on that issue. They're not focused on Eutychus too much. They're focused on gathering around God's word. And once Paul goes down three flights of stairs, checks on the kid, picks him up, oh, he's alive. Hey, let's keep going. Literally, that's what happens. He's alive. Paul walks back upstairs, leads him in the Lord's Supper again, because now what time is it? It's after midnight now. It's after midnight, leads him in the Lord's Supper again, and continues dialoguing until when? Daylight. Daylight, till dawn. So they went all night long, sunset to sunrise. So next Sunday night, we're going to gather. <laughs> Just, well, no. maybe one of these days. And perhaps as I was reading uh, some commentaries on this, there's a few common commentators that say perhaps Eutychus, uh, once Paul kind of makes sure he's okay, perhaps Eutychus is maybe in some small way a, a little example of the resurrection. <laughs> that he died and he rose again and, and he lived. And Paul might have used him as an illustration uh, as he continued to teach uh, the rest of the night. But when he walks back upstairs and breaks bread, they, they receive the Lord's Supper. 
And so as I look at this early church, they celebrate the resurrection. They devote themselves to the word of God and the truth of God's word. They eagerly anticipate the things of God. But then their worship was also centered on the sacrifice of Jesus, and so should ours. Our worship should, should, easy for me to say, should remember the sacrifice of Jesus. Because as Paul gets back up and continues to teach, that example of receiving the Lord's Supper, of the body and the blood that was shed for us, it should refocus our attention and, and to remember that this entire book This entire book is devoted to one story. One story. From cover to cover, one story. That's the story of Jesus Christ as the Savior, the one who takes away our sin. That's why Paul preaches the basic gospel message to the church as much as he does to pagans. Because the church needs to be reminded over and over and over again about the sacrifice that Jesus has made for you and me. And so through our songs, through the word that's proclaimed, through the scripture reading, through discussion and dialogue, we need to constantly remember the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That Jesus came, he lived perfectly, and he died on the cross to pay the penalty of your sin and my sin. That's the power of the gospel. That's the love of God on display for you and me. And so every time we come together in this room, every time you get together in your group on Sunday morning or during the week, you should remember the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and declare the goodness of God to forgive you and me of our sins. That's the goodness of God. And the early church, every time they gathered, they focused their attention on that great truth. And so my prayer for us as we think about when we gather, as we think about what it means to be the church, I I pray that we would be willing to endure the heat when the AC doesn't work so well, or it's 102 outside. That we'd be willing to endure the cold, that on those mornings, you know, six of them throughout the year, that it's like below 40, that it's, no, I want to eager, I'm eager to connect with the people of God about the word of God. When I'm just taking a quick trip for the weekend that I still make worship and the study of God's word a priority. That's the model of the early church. That's the model of the church. That, That I long for conversation that focuses on the things above the things of God, that are lovely and pure, that are full of grace and wisdom. Those are the things that I long for because that's why the early church gathered. And that's why they met all night long because even in their infancy, as a people of God, as a church, they, they knew that that's what would change the world, not just change their life, but would change their entire city. And so that's what I long for as we think about who we are as the church, that we'd celebrate the goodness of God and his great plan for all of us through Jesus Christ. But there is a final note. 
we should stay awake and worship. We should stay awake. We should stay awake. If we went for four hours, I'd give you a pass. Because that was what we would do with Eutychus. But, but, but I want to be so engaged in the things of God that, that I want to participate. I just don't want to be a spectator. Because that's what happens too often is we become spectators. And when we're a spectator, it's easy to get distracted. It, it's easy to follow a trail like, what did, he, what did that old preacher say again? I need to retell that joke. And we get lost in trying to remember the joke. And we missed the reality of my life should be defined by the, the love that God has for me and the love that I show for others. And so I want to help others see the truth of God's word. And so I want to invite you today as we think about what this early church looked like, I, I, I want to invite you to, to sort of recommit yourself Recommit yourself to, to an eagerness to God's word. To, to recommit yourself to say, you know what? I, I want to dive in to the things of God. And, and I want to be able to discuss. I, I, I don't want to be afraid that I don't know enough. And so I'm just going to be quiet. And, and in that we never learn. We never grow. But, but I want to commit myself to have conversation with other believers so that I can grow in my faith. I want to be able to ask questions about what God's doing in my life and things I may or may not understand in the scripture so that I can walk alongside with others and others can come alongside to me to help me like Paul did for this church in Troas, that he came alongside to help answer questions. I, I want to link myself with others who, who can help me. Or I want to be the person to help others grow in their faith. I want to be like a Paul to somebody. And so I'm going to lean in to the, to the word of God. I'm going to lean in to the, the body of Christ, the local believers, to those that I sit next to and in front of and behind at church, those that are in my connect group. I, I want to lean in. And so I want to invite you today as our response time when we stand and sing to, to come and just say, Lord, I, I want to have an eagerness for your word. And, and if you're here today and, and you've never placed your trust in Jesus Christ. There's probably a reason. It, that, that could be the reason why things of the Spirit don't matter to you. And, and it's hard to be focused. It's hard to be eager because the Spirit of God doesn't live in you. And so I want to invite you today, if you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, to take away your sin and give you a brand new life. When we stand and sing in a moment, I want to invite you to come and say, you know what? I need Jesus. And we'll celebrate with you. All of heaven will celebrate. But our church will rejoice with you. And so today is a day to remind us of who we are as the people of God. And to commit ourselves to be a gathered people who lean into what God has for us. So will you pray with me?